Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Miami Nice. I am one half of your undercover partnership, Blake Howard. Just really quickly dropping in before we get to the show, this episode, it was meant to be one episode with the incredibly talented, award-winning writer of She Rides Shotgun, the soon-to-be best-selling author of Everybody Knows and The Last King of California and screenwriter, real friend of One Eight Minute Productions, Jordan Harper. But it simply can't be contained in one episode. It has to be two. So I'm going to drop you in at the beginning of this one. We'll catch you next week with a follow-up. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's good. It goes some places. Enjoy. Who you know fresher than whole? Riddle me that. The rest of y'all know where I'm lurking. Yeah. Can none of y'all mirror me back? Yeah, hear me rap. It's like Angie rapping his prime. I'm young H.O. Raps great for dead. Back Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Miami Nice. And it is a very nice time whenever I get to talk to my partner in crime, Katie Walsh. How are hello, you? Hello, hello. I'm good. Saturday afternoon, drinking my coffee, just getting through the day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and as I said, if I, if I would murder someone for a cold brew right now, I am uh, your other host, uh, Mr. Blake Howard. Now today, we, we've kind of like unintentionally done it. Two of my extended... Uh, family, my dearest friends, have now done back-to-back episodes of Miami Nice. One of them 
Travis Woods, completely unhinged. Go back and listen to that episode. Uh, we were strapped in, Katie. Were we not strapped yeah. in? Yeah, everyone <laughs> needs to strap in, okay? Just strap in. Just strap and in. Get ready. And today uh, I have an LA crime expert for you that's going to talk about his love for crime on the other side of the country. He is a longtime screenwriter, an award-winning author. He has... Two books coming out in less than 12 months. The Last King of California is out right now. You can find it at the Book Depository. If you don't own a copy of She Ride Shotgun, you're insane. It is the most unput downable, like, day ruiner if you had any plans of a book of all time. And his new novel, which I got to read in both Microsoft Word, the sexiest format to read anything, and now a galley's copy. Everybody knows it is my friend, and he insisted that we call the episode this everybody knows i love this movie jordan harper welcome to miami nice i don't believe i did insist that, <laughs> I believe that was uh, that was your uh pun there but uh, if you don't want to own it that's all right no no uh, that's hey. all me hello <laughs> so nice so nice to see you again so soon um we've been talking on the one eight minute patreon about uh no country for old men which i think might pop up in the main feed uh for some bonus people over the holiday season so if you haven't uh not a member of one eight minute productions patreon get on there what are you doing come onto our discord hang out um no one's leaving our discord anytime soon katie i don't think <laughs> we're having gonna... fun we're having fun on discord we're just chopping it up yep. talking about michael mann and everything else we feel like talking about frank I was grillo <laughs> i was i was calling them the crew but katie calls them our operatives and they truly are um our past guest jordan so if you have any specific requests about media that's hard to find someone uh, travis was bitching about a certain henry rollins album that couldn't be found and within about 30 minutes i had the whole album in my email from someone on our discord they're like yeah i've got that then, yeah uh, give that to travis you know thank they you bring the us episode. gems uh, they just, bring us gems uh, i need to i need to get on this discord i uh, i i'm trying to dip my uh whatever you dip into a discord into a, a discord these it's days. so yeah. fun i find it so much better than twitter because it's like yeah. you can actually it's like a big chat room like you could actually just chit chat with people who are like-minded and it's not gonna go out to like people who don't understand you you know what i mean like that's the problem with twitter is like your tweet escapes your circle of friends and suddenly mm. you're getting like shit on by a bunch of random conservative people. It's like, <laughs> or, or Jordan, I mean, I don't know if you've had this experience in the business, hypothetically publicists might call you. Oh God, no, I, you guys, the way that I get phone calls from publicists about tweets from eight years ago, it's cursed. It's oh, cursed. I, I burned all my tweets. I try and do it fairly regularly, but I've also had to do targeted things where it was like, ooh, I have a meeting set up with a director's manager. So I really need to pull down my one tweet about his movie that I'm not crazy about. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I need to just go like light the whole past 10 years on fire. <laughs> <laughs> As you know, we're obviously going to discuss later on, uh, there is no such thing as a unitary soul in a human being. We're all made up of multiplicities. And <laughs> thank you. Uh, yes. And we'll get into it later. But like, you know, that's why Twitter's a bad idea is that you can't put your entire face forward because you don't have a singular face. You have your movie face where you talk to your buddies and then you have your movie face where you talk to PR people. And that's not yeah. hypocrisy. That's just the way that you are. Yeah. Like, we all, you know, contain these different parts of ourselves. And that's the, the fatal flaw of Twitter is the idea that like, not only do you have to be yourself, but you have to be yourself 
in front of everyone. Everyone. Yeah. Everyone. And, but not only that, you you're your self who you were eight years ago gets dragged into the into the present for some dumb reason because people will go search your your tweets oh. for anything that you might have said against <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence. And... I would I would just say this. What's so I want to say again another reason I love this podcast. What has liberated me is that you can't take away the movies that I want to talk about from me even if you tried. <laughs> what are you not going to give me access to go see Black Panther? Okay. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> right. What are you going to do? I mean, Katie is obviously in a much different position, but I have this I have this position now where I'm like, "No. Whatever. No, you don't like it? Fine. I'm sure there's more Michael Mann movies that I haven't talked about yet, and I will talk about them. You don't have to get me to see Ferrari in the cinema, but I'll mm. see it. Mm -hmm. I'll pay for it. And then I'll come back and I'll talk about it. So I kind of feel like that's what's liberating. And what's hilarious also is sometimes the Twitter take is completely fine. It's like, no, I absolutely stand by that. That that's that movie sucked, or that person <laughs> sucks. And I don't. Or or if you want to reconcile your take with like, no, I was wrong. That's it. Like three, four or five words. Right. It's like no, I did, okay. That that's all the light. Here I am. But again, that's the thing of like somebody bringing up something that you did eight years ago and, and being like, how can you have done it? It's like I didn't do that. That was right. That, that, that was Blake. That was Blake without kids. He was fucking unhinged. <laughs> every cell in my body has been replaced. Totally. Since. Like, the, isn't it every seven years? Every right? cell in your body repla is replaced or something? Yeah. So, anyway. Speaking of we all contain multitudes and different things. Anyway, yes, go ahead. Speaking of spells and spells. <laughs> spells and bodies. Speaking of cells and bodies being replaced every seven years, every seven days. I feel like we need to be expunged uh, from a take on Miami Nice to uh, to re to recalibrate where we're at. Jordan, I know you love this movie. You actually have you know some uh, connections. You've met people and engaged with people who've been on the film, and we've talked so much about Michael Mann across everything. But I don't think we have truly ever had a targeted conversation on Miami Vice, and I know that you're a fascinated researcher about particularly crime families and i know that this would be your bag because of how much you know it, it's so detailed and researched about like contemporary crime families and the operations and the machinations of crime in the contemporary setting so i but i would love you to share with katie and i and, and the listeners like why why is miami vice one of your movies why do you love it so much and uh, and sort of expound upon it for us well, you know, you, to go all the way back, I mean, I, like a lot of people my age, whatever we might tell ourselves, my first interaction with Michael Mann was Miami Vice, the TV show. And I grew up loving it. And then as I, you know, I put it away for a while, as we all did. And then when I became a TV writer, I really started revisiting it, particularly the pilot, which I hold up as a deeply flawed uh, work of art, but a, just a true work of art. Um, I was actually just looking at it. I didn't watch all of it last night, but I I ran through it. And and one of the biggest things that you see right off the bat is like, you see Jimmy Smith's on that TV screen and you go, did nobody have a conversation <laughs> about like, maybe Philip Michael Thomas plays the guy who dies in the teaser. And maybe this like God of a man who's just standing here. <laughs> maybe we don't kill this guy on page four. I don't know, did nobody talk about it. Um, 
and you know, look, look, we'll get into a lot of it, but like it has everything that I, I love about Michael Mann, which is, you know, this deep commitment to, you know, this kind of fast paced storytelling and this machismo and the, the hyper detailed world. And then it also has, you know, the operatic side of it. And, and I will constantly, if somebody asks me what my favorite TV scene is in the history of television, I will say with all honesty, it is the in the air tonight scene from the Miami Vice pilot. And, you know, the entirety of it from them rolling up and they're loading their shotguns to go to, to war, to the pulling over and the amazing conversation, which is, you know, both completely contained with with uh, Don Johnson, Sonny Crockett, trying so hard to hold in his fear and and his, his love for his ex-wife and, and that was it real is such a beautiful, you know, way of asking somebody to say that, that they have been in their life loved and that therefore if they are to die tonight, it, it's okay because they were at least for one moment loved. Um, and then to go as he does and go have the gunfight and the, you know, I won't do the da 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 does, but like the drum kicks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then immediately cutting to like, you know, the the beauty of the the lights of Miami rolling up the hood and whatever they do with the camera uh, when they're filming the side of the car where the tire doesn't move, but the car does. So yes. it's like somehow the camera is attached to like the axle, I guess. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, don't... I don't know. They, they must. That's a great shot. And I, I love those little touches. In an Aussie movie, which some folk might have heard a bonus episode, I talked with the director, Thomas M. Wright, about The Stranger. There's a couple of moments where when the camera is shooting Sean Harris's character in a car scene, it shakes more mm -hmm. like it. And then it, the the two shot on Joel Edgerton is still. And I know that it's deliberate because he's a very deliberate, formal filmmaker. And I'm like, oh, that's a great that's a great choice. Like, that's just a great choice. Stabilizing it with him and this other character who's more chaotic and unpredictable gets the bumps. And so I love when like little things happen like that. It's like, there's that great shot in true detective too, where, um, where, uh, rust follows Marty to the, to the like diner roadside diner in Louisiana or whatever. And he shuts his door, um, at the end of the episode and you like, and it's, and you're seeing the cam, the, the camera is viewing the, um, the rear view mirror and you can see him in the rear view and he's driving along and it just like stably goes along. Yeah. It's, it's a real, it's a neat trick and there's a whole bunch of rigs and things like that, but I love that. Love that so it, much. It, and it, you know, it's just, it's so in its own way, dreamlike. And, and as, as Blake knows, I, I, I use the dream metaphor for storytelling a lot. I think it's a very useful metaphor of, and uh, of like, you know, how every element of the music and the, the image and the characters and the story and the plot all combine in one way to create like this dream that you just fall face forward into. That's what I look for in the art I consume. And it's what I try and do when I, when I create art is just to lock people in and, and you're so locked in and feeling what Sonny Crockett is feeling in that moment. And it's, you know, that's decades before the golden age of television, as we like to call it. And, and, you know, nowadays we're so dismissive of that era, but you know, and again, there are things about the Miami Vice pilot that age horribly. There's a whole hitman who dresses up like a woman subplot. <laughs> that it, there, there are things played for laughs that are just, you know, uh, really bad, and that the show abandons after you know a few of the first episodes. But um, but it's always been incredibly important to me, um, and so I think I can safely say because I don't think I saw Heat in the theater. Um, that Miami Vice was the first film I went to in the theater excited as a Michael Mann fan to go see. Yeah, yes. 
And I remember sitting there and just being, again, so locked in. And, and, and it's such a complete and total world that is established from the grain of the, the digital camera work that you had never really seen before, at least not done well, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and, you know, again, like, you know, Miami, what people don't know a lot about Miami Vice is Miami didn't look like that until they got a hold of it, that they, they created that style of the, you know, the blazers with the shoulder, you know, the sleeves rolled up and all, all the pastels. That was the name of that Italian, there was that Italian production designer who, who, who created this idea of cool. And if there was something that I think made people uncomfortable about the movie Miami Vice, it was that it was trying to be cool in an era where nothing tries to be cool anymore. Yes. Um, the, the one thing I would compare it to is like the first 15 minutes of drive where I had that exact same feeling of, oh my God, they're trying and succeeding <laughs> to be like fucking cool. And, I'm like, <laughs> and, and the thing about it is, is that, that both, both movies risk flirting with, with cringe to do so. They, you know, Ryan Gosling is wearing a white jacket with a scorpion on it, which is funny. The way that like Sonny Crockett doesn't in Miami, the movie, Colin Farrell doesn't have a mullet, but he has an, the equivalent of a mullet. It is a <laughs> really funny haircut. Um, but, and I, I mean, it's like, if I could choose like to steal somebody else's like masculine anima and, <laughs> and, and have it for myself, it would be Colin Farrell in the movie Miami Vice. Like, oh what? my God. To be able to walk into a room and have that mustache and have that hair and, and you know, he's muscled, but drain. it's not like, it's not like he's not skinned looking. You know what I mean? Like he's not like shredded. He's not shredded. Yeah. It's like he got that way by hauling guns around. It's not like I right. don't think he's doing a thousand. He's not doing, he's not in the gym pounding chicken breasts, you know, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, a I chicken think breast you, and broccoli smoothie. <laughs> yeah, I think that you've, I think that you have identified Jordan. What every, I, I think now it's become clear to me that I think every man who has been on this podcast, why they love this movie, because they want to steal Colin Farrell's masculine essence. yes essence anima or i don't even know that word <laughs> like um i think i think it's all become clear to me now i'm like all right we can end the podcast <laughs> um it's and, also you guys are in the neighborhood of vidiots and mm -hmm. former employee and podcaster and friend of the show clay keller used to work for vidiots and it is one of the tragedies of the post-pandemic <laughs> world that clay who grew his hair and his hair was beautiful and long and he cut it off. And I was like, dude, you had just a smattering, just the salt bay pinch of Colin Farrell energy. And I would have murdered someone for that hair. I, I like to, to have the hair, to have the look, and then just to strip away the rest of my beard and have a mustache Colin Farrell style. I would do that in a heartbeat, but I cannot yeah, so do it. All of the guys are like, oh, I can't grow my hair like that. And Clay can. And you guys are like living by so mad. So mad at him. It's, <laughs> a, it's, it's a texture thing because I've tried the long slick back, which you get both he has in this and you get in different forms and like heat and other like it's a great masculine look that it, that 
that is but not every hairstyle if your hair is too smooth it'll it looks like brillantined and it's a totally yeah. different vibe like and the fact that he kind of pulls off the pulling back the top of it and letting the back hang it is a mullet and the thing that i'm trying to say is like there are things about this movie that are almost funny um, oh, like, I, I laughed my way through my first viewing of this movie. <laughs> yeah. I will admit that. And, um, and you know, like, go fast boats. I remember sitting there in the theater going, don't just say speed boats. Because it sounds, there's something about go fast boats that sounds like like it's a kid saying it, you know? Like, oh, it's a go fast boat. But, but like, but the thing about the mullet haircut, which, by the way, if they were making it now, he would have because the fashion mullet is in full effect now. Oh, yes. yeah. Yes. Um, is that it was always supposed to look a little funny because it's peacocking and he is for all the mutedness and all the not being skinned he is he is a man who was willing to peacock and you want to talk about like a a style as a man who grew up in the ozarks and um, both emotionally and rhythmically repressed for that reason i <laughs> if a woman were to turn to me in a in a salsa bar or whatever kind of bar that is and say to me do you dance what I can't do is what he does, which is, I think, maybe the sexiest thing a man can say, which is, I dance. Oh! Do we And then he picks her up and they go and they dance. Um, I have a lot to say about Cuba, but I think, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll wait on it. But like he so I think and it is his movie. It is it's it's not Jamie Foxx's movie. This is not an even handed uh, film by any any means. Uh, I think Jamie Foxx is great. I think their partnership is great. It's a TV partnership. Um, I mean, this is a little bit of a pivot, but I tried to find today. Have you guys talked about Armand White's review of this film? No. no. Okay. I cannot find it. It appears to have been scrubbed from the internet. I need this review. But, um, <laughs> Is it positive or negative? No, no. He loathed <laughs> this movie. And I remember because I he said I went and I saw it and I, I loved it. I thought, and I still think, even though I think it's a five-star film, I think it has flaws, but like um but I remember getting out and, and reading the uh Armand White review of this film, where he basically says this film is the triumph of television over cinema, and that it is just a long TV episode, and that it is anti-cinema and should be like you know loathed for that reason. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, and of course, like Armand just, White just, is like Jordan. You're already a patron, and you have to come part of the Discord. I just mm -hmm. put in our Discord chat. Can somebody, someone, <laughs> find me the Armand White's Miami Vice review? We might have it before the episode ends. And if we do, I'm going to read it out. <laughs> but here's the thing that I will say that he is wrong to hate it. And and it is cinema. But there is something very interesting as somebody who worked a long time in procedural TV that it really is a an episode of television from the fact that it has a cold open. Yes. You have the entire, you know, sex worker pimp storyline, uh, whether it's the director's cut or, or, you know, the better cut that opens up. 
uh, with Freitas, you just get chills every time it starts. Um, but you are like, here's a little mission that we're on, and then you get, oh, we're pulled out of that by the A story, and then we process the entire case. Um, it, you can see the act breaks. We're on the Aryan Brotherhood. Well, this isn't about the Aryan Brotherhood. Now we're going to be on to this cartel, and then, oh, what's the complication? The complication is now he's in love, and then by the end of it, it does essentially return to form. Trudy is going to be alive. Um, you know, um, she, uh, Isabel is gone. Sonny is going to continue to be a cop. It was, it, it felt like, although I don't think Michael Mann had any intention to do this, it felt like you could, this could have been the fifth Miami Vice movie and you could make the sixth one yeah. right afterwards. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And to the fact that you had the team, look, look, I, like I was on the mentalist, we had the team. You know, you have the guy who's good with like electronics. Yeah, we had. I that's one of my favorite things in a movie. I love a team in a movie, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and also a team that doesn't have to. I mean, everyone has a moment, but not everyone has to have like a big backstory. They're just there kicking ass. Like yeah. they're just awesome. For do you ever clean this place up? You know, <laughs> listen. Like just, I mean, I'm not just, saying that we need this scene, but I would not hate. The scene where the team comes together and everybody gets to show what they do yeah that's my favorite thing that's my favorite yeah. thing in a movie <laughs> and you know like this is a, a you know and, and he doesn't heat too where uh sharito is the guy who always is, is hacking into stuff and whatnot yeah but justin thoreau i mean doesn't justin throw cost money to where you want to have him <laughs> say more than two lines of dialogue to earn no his his pay but again that almost but justin thoreau's feel... a screenwriter first jordan you know that so if he if he's got an opportunity it's like i'll oh, come work on a michael mann movie that he's scripting like there's those guys who are you know those multidisciplinary filmmakers who would be like oh fucking hang out on a michael mann movie wear the suits drive a car shoot a gun yeah why not <laughs> I, I get to watch the guy work you know that's that's cool but there's also a feeling that i think it gives you that like oh yeah no he's not in this episode very much but don't worry. Right. Like, yeah, like he's going to have a bigger storyline next time. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, you know, Elizabeth Rodriguez, who, who I've had a, a dinner with once because she knows uh, my, my partner, Megan. And uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, you have the entire team and, and, and there's this sense of, you know, the, the boss who's, who's great, but barely developed and all of these characters that you just feel like you're again dropped into this world where these guys are not narcotics cops. That's what's so crazy about what they do in this movie is they're not they're not narcotics cops. They are working vice allegedly. They should yeah. be like you know they're busting up a sex worker and all of a sudden they're they they all know how to fly planes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And then, uh, it's it's but so I do think there is something to Armand White's critique. I think he's wrong to be angry about that. That that maybe you know, episodic television has something to be folded into cinema that we can appreciate and 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 enjoy. And and that's the part that, you know, he he has to make up rules and get mad when people violate them because he's Armand White. But like I, I I do think that's really interesting that that it is we don't talk about it in the way of like it's oh it's a movie based on a TV show, which is historically um, I mean, the Entourage movie, you know, like uh, the, we get the bad version of it a lot more than we get the good version. And um, I'm sure there's other great movies that came out of TV shows, but right now I'm drawing an absolute blank. Um, I didn't see I, the Sopranos one. It didn't look good. I haven't seen it either, but I would like to watch it. 
Which one? Many Saints of Newark? Main, many Saints of Newark, yeah. Yeah, I watched it. Like, I, I mean, it's it's not t- not a not a bad movie. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply by any stretch of the imagination that's completely enjoyable but at the same time the boundless complexity of the characters in the sopranos is impossible to live up to in an hour and a half like the first episode of the sopranos is like 52 minutes which is two-thirds of the running time of a movie you know Mm -hmm. it's like and and then we have what six whatever it is eight seasons of the sopranos to enjoy or however many seasons it is it's like no it's never gonna it can't touch it it does it's not the same thing but i but i think i love like an episodic i love like a movie that feels like an episode but i think that that's there's two ways you can look at that there's one way that it's like a very dismissive it's tv it's serialized it's this it's that but also it's confidence of going in and going, you. This could be part of a world that these other people have full lives, and I can totally see other movies that would focus on these characters wholly or in a different way. And it's like, no, that focus of the sh- of this episode, of this experience, despite Jamie Foxx's best efforts, is Colin Farrell. Like it's the Sunny and Isabella show. Like that's what the movie ends up being. I, I lo- like, and even like uh, Chris McQuarrie's Jack Reacher that they did with Tom Cruise. Like I, you could, you could. Uh, you could sort of uh, aim the same arguments at it. And I'm like, that is a terrific, entertaining, easily consumable movie that totally could have been 10 movies or a series, which it is now on Amazon Prime. Um, and even the second movie, which was not good. Uh, but, you know, yeah, I, 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 I don't think there's anything bad about it because it, it feels self-contained. That's the other trouble that I have now with the dominant thing in our culture with the Marvel movies and stuff like that, the whole Marvel cinematic and streaming universe is that like 
I don't care. Like I see a cameo from someone and I'm meant to know eight episodes of information about them, but I couldn't give a rats, you know, I just don't care yeah. anymore because they're like, you should watch everything that we do. And I'm like, I don't care. No, I'm done. Thanks. No, done I that. refuse. I refuse. I can't do, do it anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm off that train. I, 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 I ran along with, I never saw all of it, but I basically kept up until they did the whole end game. And I was like, okay, you said it. <laughs> right. <laughs> you did. Thank you. You gave Thank me permission you. to watch I'm other good. things. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, I just, I couldn't, I was like, I'm not watching WandaVision so that I can understand Doctor Strange too. Like, yes. I refuse. Yes. I, I refuse. Yeah. It's and I, and you know what? I get it. Like, I saw it. I got it. It yeah. was fine. I didn't need to know everything about Wanda. <laughs> Do I want to watch Decision to Leave instead? Yes. Yes. Do I want to watch <laughs> many other things? Yes. Right. I, uh, you know, it's interesting, uh, that you, you brought up that it becomes the the Sonny and Isabella show. Um, I I was thinking about this episode before I listened to the episode with uh, y'all and, and Travis Woods, our, our good friend, but I, I do not come to praise Travis. I come to bury him because uh, <laughs> I... I do disagree with with his thesis, and 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 in short, his thesis is that the go fast boats. Wait, 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 hold on, wait, strap yourselves in. Strap, strap, in. strap in, strap in, because uh, <laughs> nobody thinks deeper or better or more fun about movies than Travis Woods. I, I'm just going to pick this one fight. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> the, um, you know, he's you know the thing that a lot of people would say about a lot of Michael Mann movies is is that the the procedural stuff, the macho stuff, that's just window dressing, and the actual story is a man who's in love. Um, so what he what Travis does, I think, thankfully, is so you have your original thesis, which is that. Oh, these are hard men. These are macho men. These are Mielville boring, like flat sociopathic characters. And so that's the thesis. And Travis provides us the antithesis, which is no, in fact, these are uh, men who are in love. These are people who just want to be loved and can't make it in this world. Now, if we're going to imply or employ, you know, the dialectic or dialectical thinking here, what we know that we need to do is take the thesis and the antithesis and put them together in the synthesis, which is that the essential Michael Mann character is a man grasping through the bars of a cage of his own design. Yes. That, that they, that there is no, but there is no, they are hard, cold men who are good at their jobs, but they also want to be loved. It is, these are hard, cold men who are good at their jobs and enjoy being good at their jobs and want to be loved. And it's that contradiction that is, insolvable inside the films that is the heart of these characters you know they are um given so often in these films the choice to go with the woman and they never they never take it they always go the other way uh de niro runs from edie literally like well <laughs> I, he literally runs from her he um you know frank packs up Tuesday Weld and sends her away. He could go, but it, he can't, you know, because he has built himself a, a, a cage, you know, and uh, I just, I, I'm not always this pretentious, but I just happened to, uh, for a class I'm taking, I was reading uh, Jacques Lacan, the French psychotherapist's uh, essay on the mirror stage, and he talks about uh, existentialism and how it leads to, um, this is a quote here, a freedom that is never so authentically affirmed as within the walls of a prison. And I feel like that is what we get a lot with Michael Mann characters are these people who 
tell themselves they want to be loved when they can't be loved, when they are working these jobs, doing these things, and they think that they want this other thing. And then when, when they are shown it and when they are, Sonny could go look for her, for Isabel. He could. He said he says he would at one point. And then when the moment of truth comes, he says, I will not come look for you. Because he is a cop. He is a cop who dreams of being a lover and yes. does, in fact, love. Because it is, again, it's a contradiction. There's no solving it. He is both things. He is a he is a lover and a cop. And and, you know, I I think that. You know, these are men who are so controlled, right? And this is where, again, I'm going to be just really pretentious and talk about, you know, um, and this is, I'm, I'm being a little facetious here, but I, I think this is funny. Um, so you know about uh, the stages of development, as, as Freud tells us, as we pass through our anal stage. And in uh, Civilization and its Discontents, he talks about how, you know, one of the major things that, why we need civilization is to teach children you know, not to enjoy and play with their own feces, <laughs> yes. right? And so, bless Freud. Yeah, light rating on a Saturday, <laughs> Jordan. Um, no, but I was just thinking because again, I'm, I'm taking a class right now. I'm not always like this, but like, uh, <laughs> but you know, the thing about it is, is, is that if you're properly developed, you learn. Okay, great. Poop is gross. We're gonna just keep going, and it's not a big part of your life, right? But <laughs> not for everyone. Not for everyone. No. But what what he would say is people who are arrested in the, you know, they're, they're the anal stage or anal retentive or something like that. So people who are very messy and people who are very, very clean and tight are both, again, in this like dichotomy of people who are hyper concerned with with this idea of I can't believe I'm talking about this. Um, Neither can I, Jordan. Uh, no, jo Jordan, <laughs> we're gonna follow. We're gonna follow your pretension with mine. I, you're, you're, you're getting giving us Freud's anal stage. I'm gonna get us into the Kantian descriptions of the sublime in a minute. Oh, very good. Um, so, you know what? What do we have when you have a Michael Mann character? You have people who are so afraid of making a mess that they will not speak in contradictions or contractions. I mean. They yeah. will not use contractions because a contraction might be under misunderstood and there might be a mess. And if there's one thing that a, that a Michael Mann character wants to avoid more than anything else, it's messiness. And then they go because, again, it's a contradiction because they both desperately don't want to make a mess because they want to make a mess so badly <laughs> that, <laughs> that they, they let themselves go into these, these emotional states that they're, they're yearning for. And that's, that's why man has to use music all the time and why he uses it so well is because these are men who are incapable of saying what they yes. want so much of the time. And, and so, so the, the music, which is sometimes di diegetic, but oftentimes not, it, it's, we're just, this is, this is just for the viewer, and this is this is the closest we can get to letting you know that he is in pain. Um, that you know they they want the mess, and and they they go for it, but when they get it, they they do look away. It's it's a cage of their own design. It's not, you know, 
it's it's not the the world that they tell themselves it is because they have more power than they think they do and i just so that i do think that these these movies are about both things at once because michael mann doesn't spend you know and i i'm, I'm picking on travis because i love him um and, and <laughs> if we're on this podcast i'm sure he would have great rejoinders and i'm sure you'll he can come on and and uh we're gonna and, just have like a re rebuttal podcast I, I, from love, you guys. <laughs> I love this i love it uh, it's really just because I was thinking about what I was going to say to the podcast while I was listening uh, to that episode, mm. uh, and it, and it did it did fit because I because what I am struck with is, um, you know, a thing that I'm sure Blake has heard me say a lot of times is is my theory of storytelling also includes a lot of the phrase "por qué no las dos" or "why not both?" Why can't this action scene be a character scene? Why can't this character scene move the plot forward? And nobody nobody is better than that than Michael Mann and. Yeah. Um, and, and that's and and I don't think you can strip away or hand wave away the things that he spends years researching to get the go fast boats yeah. and all that that beautiful dialogue that even if you don't know what it means it's like the dialogue in Star Trek, you know, <laughs> where, where, where Jamie Fox just says strings of letters. Yeah, you know, we need a wax to do the you know the, are you a d a blah 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 blah. blah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and it, it, or it's like the, the dialogue in ER too, you know, where they're like, get a defibrillator for the bags. And it, and it's, it, it passes through you, but it's, it's also important. And it, and it feels again, it's this locking down of this kind of like, uh, this world of, of, of these, these men who have to keep the mess under control. So that is why the anal stage and Freud is so important to my. Friend. Wait, are you so? Are you saying that the mess is like the romantic part? Yeah, I'm saying the life. The life. I'm saying of all it all the life. I'm interpreting. Yeah. Yeah, and but I think it's just a general thing of like, I mean, Blake. It's and like I talk, uncontrollable. Yes. Uncontrollable, and these men who are, are so buttoned down. I, uh, when we were on, when I was on One Heat Minute, I talked to Blake about how I feel like the really important, uh, two characters in. in for Neil Macaulay, it's not him and Vincent Hanna, it's him and Wayne Grow. Because... I was going to talk about Wayne Grow. Wayne yes. Grow is mess. Yeah. <laughs> Wayne Grow is mess, but like, it, it, I mean, this is, I'm re regurgitating. Yeah, yeah. But already, but that everything that causes the movie heat to happen is uh, Neil Macaulay acting like Wayne Grow. His decision to murder Wayne Grow is not a professional move. He's angry. Mm -hmm. And that's what kicks off the entire film. If he doesn't do that, if he just pays Wayne Grow his money, and lets him go. The movie heat does not occur, and mm. none of those people die. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at least not there. And and so I think the truth is is that he is a man because Wango's tip off is the thing that gets the cops to the heist. Yes. And if Wango yeah. doesn't tip them off, um, that's it. That's it. They rob the bank and they go home. Yeah, and 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 Van Zant is sleeping in his office to this day. Because Neil Macaulay is <laughs> yes. gone. But that's the other point. That's the point is that that when, I mean, when given the choice of leaving with Edie or going and killing Wangro, he chooses to go kill Wangro. That's a choice he makes. That is, and he just can't live with the idea of this this guy who who wronged him and 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 again made a mess. He has to go clean it up. And and this is really, I'm really stretching. There's classic <laughs> Freudianism here to to really stretch the the anal metaphor of, of the mess of all of it. Like, but like yeah. that, that that they are they are men who are and, and uh, Travis said this, and then when I rewatched the movie last night, he's right that like when you see Sonny Crockett in the shower in Cuba, we're gonna get back to the shower in a second, but like uh 
Sonny Crockett is terrified and he is terrified. Uh, and then she comes in and he's happy, but he knows that what he is doing is, is, is wrong, but it's, is it wrong? Cause he's a cop who's having sex with a drug dealer. Nobody seems concerned about that. <laughs> the fact that that's he gets the least worst thing a cop has ever done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, Having and, you know, sex with a hot Chinese Cuban drug dealer is the least worst. It's consensual. It's sex, not by even the way. a it, it, well, sort of. It is. It is um, sex done under duplicity. Mm. Um, true. True. Yes. But like that's a different. I don't even want to go down that. The point <laughs> is, um, that I'll lie to me. I would let her lie to me all the time. You know, I don't care who you are, Isabella. I don't care if you're a drug kingpin. No. Wife. He's lying to her. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but like, um, you know, there's a whole thing in the UK right now about undercover cops who've uh, knocked up left-wing activists while posing as left-wing activists and then abandoned the abandoned them when the case is over. It's fascinating. There's a whole charity organization dedicated to giving those women support. Um, what? Yeah, it's a it's a thing. This is why it's... I love Jordan Caddy because he tells me things that I have never heard before, <laughs> just like that. It's true. That's um, shocking. And and it's not like they're not like the weather underground. You're talking about like, oh, you know, like Earth First or like uh, Greenpeace activists and the cops will put in uh, operatives into these organizations and they will start to date the women. And then like there's a great article. Condoms. I mean, this goes on for like years. Like, I don't mean like they knock a woman up and like in a, oh. in a one night stand. I mean, they have like long families. Like, oh. I this, this woman saying like this guy's photograph is on my mom's mantle and i just found out he's a cop like oh my uh, god no it's it's insane um not the point. the point is that he's terrified but it's not because he's a cop sleeping with a drug dealer again he at the end of the big gunfight at the end of the film he says hey i mean they don't even talk about him and in, in uh tubs make eye contact where he's like hey i'm gonna get my drug dealer girlfriend out of this bust right now and that's cool right nobody nobody goes hey Hey, she's as guilty as <laughs> right. anyone. No, no, okay. No, we don't care. And I'm not saying we should care. I'm just saying that's not what he's scared of. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think he's scared of this thing that he does want, but it's also a thing that, that terrifies him and threatens to blow up the world that he chooses to maintain at the end of the film. Um, just real quick, and then I will leave. I will not use uh, the word anal or anything like it <laughs> for the rest of the show. Um <laughs> So there are, again, as, as you guys talked about, I know at least with Travis, I'm sure you talked about a lot. There are at least three sex scenes in Michael Mann cinema that either precede or follow a shower. Um, and the connection of needing cleanliness mm. to be connected to sex, I'm just saying, I'm just going to throw that on the pile. Interesting. Now Interesting. you're speaking our language, Jordan. Now... <laughs> Wait, what's, um, what's the third one? Oh, in Heat. Or, yeah, in Heat. Uh, Vincent Hanna, you, you meet him, he's having sex. And hard he has sex with Justine, and, and then he has a shell. A oh, very steamy And she's, yeah, and she's yeah. having the post-coital cigarette and right. then the post-coital Xanax, right, which right, is great. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right, right, right. But, uh, also, guys, when they take showers in Michael Mann movies, man, they really, sh like, it's real hot and steamy. They really shower. They just, like, <laughs> I, I tend to get in and get out, you know? I don't, I don't luxuriate in a shower, but those guys, they really just feel like, the, the, you know, 
Again, that's real. That's plane. really where you get Al Pacino's resplendent chains in this shower. You know, you're like he's <laughs> got the chains, chains and his bracelets, and you're like, isn't that uncomfortable? Um, he's never come off. That's the proof. Yeah. Of the- let let's stay only pretentious for two more minutes to say that like um Jean-Baptiste Thoreau, who I think is like probably a preem the preeminent international man scholar, has written amazing stuff about Miami Vice, one of the best reviews probably ever written. Um and he he kind of talked about the sublime in his stuff, which is saying like, he's like Manny and imagery of mental and geographical extension of a utopic elsewhere that the film will never realize. And I love that phrase like utopic elsewhere because you see it everywhere. You see it in collateral. You see it in hate, you know, Neil's utopic elsewhere, iridescent algae, you know, you see, <laughs> you see Sonny in this movie looking out there and um, like can't, the philosopher in his critique of judgment, he said that sublime is the name given to what is absolutely great. So the, there's a, the mere capacity of thinking of this thing is the mind transcending every sense, um, the, every standard of sense. And so like Isabella is like an embodiment of the sublime too, because she's something he knows that's unattainable. Like it's something that you can never have. It's great. It's perfect. It's so resonant that you can't even process it. And it's so, you're so scared once you've got it and you might think you're going to lose it. But at the same time, it's, it's, she's the manifestation of that. Like she's the first time that it's not like, you've just sort of caught, caught me onto something that I haven't actually put together yet, which is like in man, the physical, like these, it's usually these physical natural environments because like, you know, when they say the sublime in nature, they talk about volcanoes or they talk about the ocean, like power that you just have no concept of, or you can't wrap your human brain around. But I think Isabella is that manifestation of the sublime. Like she's a per- she's the sublime as a person, you know, capable, smart, staggeringly gorgeous, and all those things. And she does have a humanity. But for for Sunny, that's what it is. So when like rather than going, oh, I want love, like he's tempted by the sublime. He's got all this order, and she is mm. chaos. Like in that respect, because yeah. he can't control her. He can't control how he feels for her. And so, yeah, it's very fascinating, but yeah, it's like order, order and chaos in Michael Manworld's is yeah. very, is very interesting. When are you going to get an old lady when I get around to it, you know? But it's... like, is Isabella, like what, like, is she more appealing when she is unattainable or like if she is unattainable? I think that's a great And that's question. why he like, can't hold on to her at the end. Yeah. I think well, it's a great question. And he sends her out into the ocean and a boat and he's like, go into the sublime. Yeah. You are the sublime. Be a part yes. of it. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yes. I'm never going to be able to touch you. I'm going to be standing yeah. on the, I'm going to be standing on the shore looking at to the sublime and you are it. Like that's you. That that's yeah. I think that, I think you're onto something there, Kate. Hi, this is Blake Howard, host and producer of One Heat Minute Productions podcast. We dive into the great and underappreciated cinematic works, often one minute or one scene at a time. Our crew of guests are some of the most wonderful filmmakers, writers, authors, and critics ever assembled. Our shows include One Heat Minute, Josie and the Podcats, All the President's Minutes, Increment Vice, and right now, Zodiac Chronicle. Check out oneheatminute.com or find us wherever you get your podcasts. 
you know, and it feels like such a 20th century movie. It feels like something David Lean would have done or tried to do uh, when he still had that kind of currency. And even then he might not have succeeded. It's incredible because like if you if you don't have time to watch all five seasons of Lost, you can just watch Fearless. <laughs> Not a week goes by that I don't think of the ending of Gallipoli. It's left a mark, a uh, year of living dangerously, uh, you know, and then something like Last Wave, even that's so uh, deeply embedded with the land and the story of the land, the story of the place. You know, I don't know that I'd seen very many movies at that point in my life that had such a down ending and they had such a you know sort of strong sense of folklore uh, 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 attached to it as that and something always so poetic and lyrical about Peter Weir's work. Gallipoli was the first movie that ever traumatized me and I don't think I ever really recovered from it <laughs> and I'm still upset that they played it in school. Like I don't think it's actually possible to make an they say it's not possible to make an anti-war movie but I think Peter Weir pulled it off. Because yes. no one watches that movie then thinks, I want to go to war. Uh, Peter Weir is the greatest director that Australia has ever produced. Like, bar none, hands down. Like, no yeah. one else is even in the room. I think you have covered some really titanic filmmakers and some really titanic films so far. But I, I truly think what makes Peter Weir special and what makes you doing this one special is we don't talk about Peter Weir that way. And we should. Peter Weir is one of those guys who I don't get why he isn't. A bigger name why he isn't more in that rarefied air yes. because i think film for film he's one of our very best filmmakers he has brought his a game repeatedly to <laughs> many properties there are films of his that i hold very dear fearless uh you know uh, the mosquito coast i will fight somebody if they talk bad <laughs> about the mosquito coast it's man i love that movie but in general i just think he is a special filmmaker, a smart, lyrical, um, hallucinatory filmmaker. He's a very dreamy filmmaker, and I don't think he gets his due. You know, Master and Commander is one of my all-time favorite movies. Uh, you know, it's, uh, easily one of the best movies of the last 20 years. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's a grand scale. There's a historical backdrop to it, but at the same time, there's a, such an intimacy in the relationships. Uh, which I think is not just a great film and one of the last great epics in the truest sense. Um, I, I think is actually kind of a sliding doors change point moment in, in cinema history. I think 2003 when that comes along and it is a an old fashioned, you know, we don't make them like that anymore type film. I think if Master and Commander spawns a franchise at that point, the entire cinema landscape globally is completely different. That, that's the movie that I wanted to see 10 of those, you know. Uh, and, yeah, I know they're big fans of Fast and Furious and everything, and God bless you, but Master and Commander <laughs> should have been. It's one of those things, again, I I am not, uh, I'm not a seafaring man, sir. <laughs> but there is a sense of authenticity. There's a sense of really watching a, a genuine dedication to recreating history unfold on a big screen in front of you that can't help but inspire just genuine admiration and awe. If you're gonna pick a film where he really brings every one of his skills to the table, it's Master and Commander. I think you picked the right one, man. Yeah, very excited to see what you you pull, you pull out of this, Blake. That's right. Our next series is Peter Weir and Russell Crowe's Master and Commander. The series is called Podcaster and Commander.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby! Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.